Red Bluff Little League has started. <laughs> yeah. That's about how I feel as a parent. It's like, oh, awesome. And uh, the other day, Don um, was looking at the calendar because we've got you know, a kid in baseball and then a kid playing travel basketball. And she just said, I just want to let you know we have no social lives on any weekends for two months. And I was like, speak for yourself. I'm not driving any of them. <laughs> Joking, of course, because I'm going to have to drive some of them. But uh, yesterday's uh, opening ceremonies were, were pretty cool, and it was really neat seeing that many kids running around and excited to play baseball, and the weather was, was good, and so it's exciting. Um, we're going to spend a little time in the Bible uh, in a minute here, but I'd love to just uh, pray for a moment. Um, kind of just had a sense that like maybe the, the Holy Spirit wanted us to lean into something, and I'm just kind of hesitant to jump in, so would, would you be okay with praying? Is that cool? Yeah? yeah? feels like we want to, you know, hear from God. I think that's something that we talk about a lot. And uh, so why don't you close your eyes and let's just, I don't know, let's just wait on him for a minute. You know, or I guess do whatever that would help you focus on hearing. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we, we just welcome you right now. I just had this sense, um, I had this phrase kind of popping in my head, unfinished business, and kind of felt like God was just saying that, that there's some unfinished business that he has with some people in the room. And it's like a, a sense that God's been planting seeds in your life, and in, like even right now you can maybe look back and you can think about your childhood or or maybe a few moments a couple of years ago where you started to maybe, you started to have maybe a growing relationship with God. And it's just been, been some time since then. And uh, I just have the sense that God is really eager this morning to have a relationship with you. And that it's not too late. And that he's, he's been waiting and he's, he's, he's still here. And so we sang, we sang a song this morning about coming to him, and it's not too late. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, if you're here and you're not sure where your relationship with God is, you're not sure who Jesus is in your life, I would love to just um, encourage you and, and suggest that, that choosing today to become a follower of Jesus is the best decision that you could ever make. And that there are literally dozens of people in this room who have found hope and have found encouragement and found salvation through their faith in Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, for any of us in this room that, that, um, that are in that state of, of not really knowing God, that today you'd bring confidence and hope. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so we've been in a sermon series for the last few weeks uh, for Lent. And Lent is a, is a Christian holiday. Um, it's a Christian, you know, calendar. It's on the Christian calendar. It's a season that uh, is, is designed. It was designed by the early church to help prepare us for the resurrection of Jesus. And I grew up in super Protestant evangelical land. I grew up in the vineyard. My parents have been uh, in the vineyard for as long as I can remember, and so Lent was like not a thing when I was growing up, and, uh, and I just had no idea, and it wasn't until when I was in seminary, 
uh, in grad school, I started reading about it and seeing this resource that the church has that's designed to help us, like, really lean into Easter. And uh, every, I think for most of my life, it always felt like Easter's like this thing that's coming, and then it hits, and then it's gone. And oftentimes, it's like we didn't really savor it. You know what I mean? And so I like how Lent causes us to pause and to reflect and to lean into these really important habits of surrender and sacrifice and repentance and reflection. I, I really enjoy that part of this season. Um, two weeks ago, as I was um, forcibly heading to the Bahamas, Terry Rapley preached a sermon here, and it was fantastic, right? Terry did so well. No? Hold the applause. I'm just kidding. You can, you can clap. I don't care. Um, and then Don preached on Sunday, and Don did really great too. It was funny, uh, Sunday morning or Saturday night, Don and I were talking, and she's like, I've practiced my sermon 50 times. How often do you practice? And I was like, when I'm doing it. Uh, <laughs> and she did so well, and I was just really happy and, and uh, was listening to the sermons and was really struck by this idea of journeying with Jesus. And, you know, this month, we've, or the last couple of weeks, we've been leaning into this idea of journeying with Jesus and working through the Gospel of John. And looking at sections from the Gospel of John, and, and we, we looked at uh, John chapter 2, John chapter 4, and today what I want to do is I want to skip ahead and read from the Gospel of John in chapter 9, and spend a little bit of time talking about this really profound passage. Um, and so we're going to read from John chapter 9, verses 1 through 11, and then pray, and then spend some time talking about this passage. So this is what we read. We read in John chapter 9, verse 1, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming. And then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground. Then Jesus spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seen. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. They asked, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. And so, Holy Spirit, speak to us through this passage and help us to see how it applies to our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen. So, I want to start out with this passage by just talking a little bit about, about theology for a minute. You know, theology is, is really uh, is pretty easy to understand in the sense that theology is how we talk about God. And I am convinced that everybody has theology. Because if you have ideas about who God is, those are theological ideas. Does that make sense? Because oftentimes what we do is we're like, oh, I'm not a theologian, I don't know theology, but if you have any ideas about who God is, you are actually doing theology. So, as an example, how many of you believe that God is love? 
just out of curiosity. Okay, that's theology, right? You are making a theological statement by that declaration. And so I know that there's a lot of theological highbrow ivory tower scholarship out there that sometimes is really hard for common people to connect with. But I think that that sometimes can actually cause us to think that we're not doing theology. But if you have any ideas about God, you are doing theology. So the question is not whether or not we are doing theology. The question is always whether or not we have good theology. Does that make sense? We all have theology. Everybody has theology. And so I have come to, to, to really believe over the last 25 plus years of pastoring and leading is that bad theology hurts people. I really believe this. Bad theology oppresses people. Bad theology is deceptive. Bad theology eventually hurts people in the long run. And so um, I've heard somebody once tell me that, that the reason why somebody wasn't healed was because they had a lack of faith and they had sin. You ever heard anything like that? Yeah, like it's kind of a common thing that some people have said. And I grew up in, in charismatic churches like ours where we believed in healing, we believed in, in the Holy Spirit moving today, and I would hear things like that. And, and over the years, I've come to the conclusion that that is one of the most cruel things that you can say to somebody. Okay, I just don't think it's biblical, and I think John 9 helps us situate that. Okay, it actually leans into that a little bit. Uh, a little bit. And what I, what I want to say is that it isn't that faith doesn't play a part in healing, and it isn't that sin doesn't have consequences, but it's unhelpful to assume that that's always the answer. Does that make sense? It's not always the answer. Jesus here is kind of helping us understand that. And, and let me just tell you, like, this is downstream theological reflection maybe here. Maybe it's something you haven't thought about, but if you tell a mom, for example, that the reason why their child hasn't been healed is because of their lack of faith, how do you think that's going to make the mom feel? It's pretty cruel, isn't it? Plus, we're not able to read God's mind. And I could tell you story after story of people being healed despite the fact that they had no faith, right? I'll tell you a quick story. I, I, uh, I was passionate at the church in Wisconsin for like 12 years, and it was in the middle of northern Wisconsin and really, really low economic status. Like, everybody was very poor. And our church was trying to figure out like ways to serve in our community, and what we determined was that a food pantry would be a way for us to serve. And so over the course of a couple of years, we built this, this uh, food pantry ministry in our church community that would give away hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds of food every single month. And what we did is we, we brainstormed this whole process, and we're like, okay, so what we eventually did is that people would come to our building, they would hang out in our sanctuary waiting to get called, and then they would go through this line, and they would get a bunch of food, and we would have like music playing, and then we would have people inside our sanctuary from our church that would just hang out with people and just get to know them. And, and then what we would do is after they picked out their groceries, we would take their groceries out to their vehicle and load their car for them. Like that was the whole thing. And then, then we would always offer to pray for people, okay? So it was like carry out the groceries, put the groceries in the car, and then say, hey, is there anything I could pray for you for? And most people were like, no, nah, I'm okay. I was like, okay. And, and I was carrying out groceries one time, and I had this lady who, who her arm was in a sling, and I was pushing her groceries out there, and I loaded up her car, and I said, hey, is there anything that I can pray for you for? And she said, yeah, my shoulder's got a lot of pain. And I was like, okay, I'll pray for you because I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to do that. And so I'm like, hey, can I lay my hands on you and just pray? That's how Jesus prayed. And she says, yeah, absolutely, it's fine. And so I pray, and I just did a quick, like, God, would you please 
heal this woman's shoulder. And I had absolutely zero faith that God would do it. I'm being honest right now. It's like just going through the motions. Okay, I know none of you do that. But I was just like, I'm just like, come on, God, check, check off the list, do my thing. And, uh, and so then I was just about to tell her, oh, well, God doesn't always heal people. Sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. I was going to start making all excuses. And she's like, I think my shoulder's healed. And I was like, it is? <laughs> like super shocked. And, and she's, like, she's like, yeah, the, the pain's gone. And she starts moving it. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Really? Like super surprised and super shocked because, again, I had zero grid for that actually happening in that moment. And so I just know that God does supernatural, sovereign things at times that, don't, that are outside of the realm of our understanding, right? And that's the beauty of God's goodness is that absolutely faith contributes because I can tell you a lot of other stories of people who were led by faith to pray powerful prayers and God responded to those. And so it really, I think, is important for us to have a really nuanced approach to healing. I think that's important for us because there's just so much bad theology out there. And so John 9 here, I think, puts to rest this idea of, of people have, have like gotten in the state of their life because of their parents' past sins or the indiscretions that they have had. It could be that, but it's not always that as we see in this case. Because God's radical grace and his healing power can easily overcome those things. And I think that's the beauty of the kingdom of God. So I want to start by saying this. Bad theology hurts people. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, and so there's two things. I think bad theology hurts people, but good theology frees people. That's what I believe. I believe that you see that. That's why theology matters. And that's why I have a passion for good theology. And we might not, well, we try not to do a lot of highbrow theological stuff here, but at the end of the day, theology really does matter for us here at the Vineyard. So I want to spend just a few minutes talking about healing a little bit in the sense of like what we should know about healing. What should we know about healing that I think we can kind of get from this passage and lots of other passages uh, from the teachings of Jesus? And the first one is this. When we look at John chapter 9, we see another example of this reality that Jesus was constantly moved by compassion to heal people. Constantly. In fact, these are just a number of the texts where it says in the text that Jesus was moved by compassion and healed the large groups of people. So I think if this is true, that compassion should be a default for how we engage people. Does that make sense? Compassion should be a default for how we engage people. Now, when I was thinking about that this week, though, I was super convicted because I have to be honest and say that compassion is not my default in how we interact with people. Anybody else relate to that? No? You all lying? <laughs> right? I mean, be serious. When you run into somebody on the street, is your first, I know some of you are because you're like, you know, all like Jesus and stuff. But like most of us, it's probably not the default is compassion. But that's what Jesus did. Jesus constantly operates with this default of compassion. And the word compassion in the Greek language, with the, which the New Testament was originally written in, it, it literally means to be moved in the inner parts of our being. So it's like our heart, we're moved by our heart. We have a heart for someone's situation. This means that we have to, I think at the, at the beginning of the day, we have to humanize people though and not dehumanize them. It's nearly impossible to have compassion on people that we don't love. That's why Jesus' command to love the Lord your God 
with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind, as well as to love our neighbors as ourselves, are so important because it's out of love that compassion springs. And then this is why it matters for praying for healing is that I think it's out of compassion that springs forth prayers for healing. Healing the whole person is something that we care about because we have compassion on people. So did anybody notice that there's this part where Jesus makes mud, spits and makes mud and rubs it on someone's eye? Anybody be like, that's kind of weird? Yeah, like some of you are like, I don't know about that, okay? And I just want to let you know, at the end of the service, I will be offering to spit on your eyes to heal you, okay? <laughs> no, like when, I, when you read that, you're just like, what in the world is going on here? Are you with me? It's a little weird, and I want to talk about that in a minute, but let me just tell you this. Like, sometimes God does super weird things, and I, I think that we've said as the vineyard, what we do is we don't want to be weird for the sake of being weird, but if God does weird things, we want to be okay with it. Does that make sense? It's not like, hey, be weird, because that's spiritual. No, it's sometimes weird things happen, and we don't know how to explain it. I had this friend named Lori. Some of you have heard this story, but Lori, super, super uh, hears from God type person. And this is in our previous uh, church community. And, and I remember we were singing songs, and she walked up to me, and she says, Luke, um, we need to pray for some people's eyes here. Um, one of my eyes is having pain right now, and, and I, God's speaking to me about needing to pray for people's eyes. And I was like, like, that's, you guys think that's weird? I was like, that's so weird. Like, your eye's not working, and you want us to pray for other people's eyes? Like, I was like, that just makes no sense to me. And she, but she was like, I'm, I'm sure of it. I, I know that my, my left eye is having a problem. I don't have problems with the eyes. I think God's speaking to me that we need to pray for that. And then, so then I go through this grid because I knew everybody in the room. Like, I knew all 180 people in that room, there was no eye problems in there. Like, I'd been involved in all of their lives to some, some degree. And so I'm standing there, and I was like, okay, what am I going to do? So I'm wrestling in my mind. I'm like, well, obviously she's wrong. And then I also said, but obviously we're supposed to take risks. Like we talk about that all the time, right? Like being obedient and taking risks. And so I'm like sitting there arguing with myself. I'm like, oh, fine. I'll just, okay. So I go up on stage and I was like, hey, everybody. I didn't hear this, but Lori did. So I want to be really clear. Lori had a feeling that there were some people with eye problems in the room and she wanted us to pray for that. And so if anybody wants prayer for that, we would love to pray for you. And then I was already planning on going into my like, well, sometimes we don't always hear God correctly. And like seven to nine people come forward. And I was like, no, you don't have eye problems. What are you doing? And, and all these people came forward. And out of that group of people, the majority of them experienced healing that morning. But Lori's whole thing was that it was out of compassion. She had a sense of compassion for people which is exactly like Jesus. Jesus has compassion on people. And that's what, what really grounded his whole entire ministry is that it was an opportunity for people to experience grace and he wanted that. The second thing that I think we can know about healing is that healing according to Jesus is an opportunity for God to display his kindness. The man that was born blind in John 9, um, he hadn't been born blind because he had sinned or because his parents had sinned. He was blind because it was an opportunity 
And it was an aspect of living in a fallen world. It was an opportunity for God's grace, though. And I believe with all of my heart that this broken world is super desperate for displays of God's love. Right? This world is desperate for displays of God's love. Listen to how Brian Blount, who's a vineyard pastor, he, he writes about it this way. This is a really great way to think about this. He says, Jesus had more than a healing ministry. He had more than a deliverance ministry. Jesus had a people ministry. He would stop for the one in front of him to put the love of the Father on display. All healings, deliverances from demons, resurrections, signs and wonders were like hugs and kisses from a good God to the battered and broken one standing before Jesus. Our goal is not healing or any other specific manifestation or form of ministry. Rather, our goal is simply to put Jesus on display as he put the Father on display to the ones in front of him. So think about that. Every single time that somebody is sick or has some type of a, of a need for healing, that's what healing is. It's an opportunity to display the kindness of God. And so I think it needs to be said that sometimes God's healing comes about in ways that we do not understand. That's the mud. Right? The mud, I mean, I have, I have, this whole week I spent time really working through the text, and it's interesting because there's basically two ways that people understand the meaning of the mud. Because I got to tell you, if we, if we said, hey, if you would like prayer for healing, and you came forward and someone pulled out some dust and spit in it and made mud and put it on your eyes, what would be your first response? Yeah, some of you would be ew, some of you would punch somebody, I feel like, right? Like, there's a lot of different responses that might happen, but... Jesus does this, and so why does he do it? And there's two reasons why I think we can kind of understand. Number one is that I think this is an allusion to Genesis chapter 2, where human beings in Genesis 2 were created out of the dust of the earth. And this is a reminder, once again, of of Jesus' creative properties here, right? And then the second thing is this. Culturally speaking, this is fascinating, mud, blood, saliva were really super dirty. And so in the ancient world, most of the culture was that if you saw those things, it was like dirty and God couldn't, that was where bad things happened. And it's almost like Jesus is trying to say by making mud and putting it on this person's eyes that he is sovereign over everything. And he he does this thing that undermines the cultural assumptions of the Jewish community that he was in. And so it's kind of important to see that. So number one, Jesus was constantly moved by compassion. Number two, Healing is an opportunity for God to display his kindness. And then number three, God doesn't heal everyone, but he can heal everyone, so we should always do our part and pray. One of the founders of the Vineyard Movement, John Wimber, if you've seen the Jesus Revolution movie, have any of you seen that movie yet? Some of you have? Like right at the end of that movie is when John Wimber comes on the scene and was a Calvary Chapel pastor and then went on to to kind of lead the vineyard movement. And one of the things that he, he discovered, and one of the reasons why we're a little bit different than Calvary chapels is because he discovered that, that the New Testament had a lot of emphasis on spiritual gifts and healing being one of them. And so he was really, con- he was just convi- convinced by Scripture that we should pray for healing more. And it wasn't happening a lot in the context of the churches that he's a part of. So he started doing it and reading on it and studying it and studying it. And their church their church decided, hey, we're going to do this every single, every single Sunday. We're going to pray for healing. And guess what happened after a year? No one had been healed. Like, no one. 
And so it's like there are a lot of people who are discouraged, right? They're like, ah, oh, we just got to quit. And then finally, he tells about the stories where he finally went to visit somebody and prayed for them. And the same thing, he was expecting them to not get healed. And he was going to kind of launch into the whole, well, we, we, you know, the kingdom is both now and not yet. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. And the person was miraculously healed. And he was like, we've got one, finally. But he said this one thing that's always stuck with me. I remember hearing this when I was like 14, 15 years old. He said, I'd rather pray for 100 people and see one person healed than pray for no one and see no one healed. And that's always like been a, just a foundation for my theological orientation is that we're going to keep on praying for people to be healed. And sometimes God heals them and sometimes he doesn't. At the end of the day, all we can do is trust God's sovereignty, Right? We have to. It doesn't mean we don't have faith. It doesn't mean that we don't do all we can to, to see more of that. But we have to just trust that God, in the end, is sovereign and he will do what he has to do. I've never forgotten that. So I've been in, um, I was just thinking about this the last couple of weeks. I've been reflecting on, I've been pastoring now. I've been full-time ministry for 25 years and I've been a lead pastor for 20, about 20 and I, I was thinking, I probably have prayed for hundreds and hundreds of people over the years. And the reality is this. Some of those people have been healed, and some of those people haven't. Some of those people haven't. And, and sometimes it gets, it gets challenging and hard to keep on doing it. But I do know that I want to spend the rest of my life being willing to pray for people to be healed and trusting God that he still does heal people because there still are stories of that happening. So we're in Lent, right? We've been in Lent. And I've been thinking about, you know, this, this Lenten journey. And the thing about Lent is that people traditionally give something up for Lent. So a lot of people give up desserts, right? Anybody in the room thinking about giving up desserts? Yeah, that's what I figured. Okay, one, one of you have. Some people do that. Other people give up social media. I have a lot of friends that give up social media during Lent. Right? Yeah, they'll just come on to, you know, talk smack about football or something. But a lot of people do that, and I was thinking about what's something that we could maybe collectively think about giving up, and it's this. Maybe we need to give up on not praying for people to be healed and be more intentional to pray for people to be healed. Because I've been thinking for the last couple of weeks about what makes a healthy church. I've been really reflecting on this a bit because I was really, really really thankful that I was able to go away for two Sundays and our church just kept on going because our church community is more than one person, amen? Our, our church is about Jesus. And I was really like so happy. I was like, if anything, this means I should go to the Bahamas more, right? I was like, it's so amazing. I get to do this fly fishing thing more. Um, but I was thinking about all these different things about church health. And, and I think it'd be safe to say that an indication of our health would be our willingness to pray for people to be healed. All of us. And like, I, I feel like I'm more normal than maybe a lot of people realize. Like, I am afraid of praying for people to be healed too. Like, I, I just, it's like, oh, it's all awkward, you know, when somebody's sick and, and they're like telling you that they're sick or if you see them sick and how do you transition from that conversation to praying for them? And I know it's challenging, but at the end of the day, I would rather be more intentional to pray for people than not pray for people. And I think it would be a sign of our collective health as a church if we had 
more of our community willing to pray for people than less of our community. Does that make sense? And so that just takes us to have more spiritual growth, more confidence in Jesus, more faith that the Holy Spirit is at work. Amen? Let's stand up together. I didn't have a chance to really fully get into John 9, but I I want you to to do this today. I want you to read the rest of John 9. Um, Because here's what you see, and this is really important, I think, is that if you read the rest of John 9, you'll see that not everyone has the grace to see Jesus for who he is. We see the story, we read the story where the man born blind, his eyes are healed and he sees Jesus for who he is. But some people, you know, again, like this man who has been born blind, they're made to see. And then others, like many of the Pharisees and religious leaders of Jesus' day, they think that they can see, but the light of Jesus actually blinds them. And so what it comes to, I think, for us is which one are we? Are we going to be the people who see Jesus for who he is? Or are we going to be people who are turned off by the truth of Jesus, who Jesus is, and, and ignore that? And so we're going to take a moment now and just spend a few minutes praying. Um, and so, again, if, you, if it's helpful for you to close your eyes, you can feel free to do that. Um, and part of our whole point right now is just to create some space, again, for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And I, this, I feel like I, um, I had something that I wanted to share, um, and I, I just would love to have the men in this room just reflect on this. Um, when I was growing up in church world, I, I, I observed a couple things about church world, is that Every Father's Day was the day that the church would beat up on men because it was always like, husbands, you suck. Husbands, you're not a great dad. Do better. It was really, really pretty rough. And then Mother's Day was always like, mothers are amazing. They're so beautiful. and We're so grateful. And, and it was like really kind of interesting because I think men get beat up a lot in church. And then we wonder why, why um, statistically men oftentimes struggle to connect with church world. And I just really felt like this, this morning the Lord wanted me to encourage you men and, and, and to say I think the idea of being a godly man, if you're here and you're a man and you have your, your sights on being a godly man, that that is a, a good thing. And I want to encourage you. Like, you know, I, I'm, I hang out with a lot of non-church people and I know that it's like sometimes being a follower of Jesus is like treated with scorn or people don't get it. Um, But I want to tell you right now that if you are trying to imitate your life to be like Jesus, you're wanting to be more, to be strong in a godly way, you want to be courageous in a godly way, you want to be wise, you want to have wisdom, if you want to um, be kind, if if you're setting your example, Jesus is your example, I want to tell you right now that it's totally possible to be a man and to be a follower of Jesus. Like, I think, I think the world wants us to think that we have to, like, sacrifice our masculinity to be a follower of Jesus, but I am convinced that you can absolutely follow Jesus and shoot deer and catch fish and do whatever man things that you want to do. 
Like all those things can be, can be filtered through the grid of following Jesus, though. And so I want to pray for, for you in this room um, because I think that it's, some of you have been really struggling in life and have been feeling like this pressure um, from, from like the world, and yet you have this desire in your life to be more like Jesus and maybe to lean into your faith a bit. And I just want you to know that you can be a follower of Jesus and be a man. Amen? And I'll tell you right now, your children need that. Your spouses need that. Your sisters need that. The world needs you men to, to be followers of Jesus, just like the world needs the women in this room to be followers of Jesus. And so, Father, I pray right now just for any man in this room who identifies and connects with what I'm sharing right now. Um, I pray that you would right now fill them with your spirit and that you would give them confidence to trust you, God, and that they would continue to say yes to you and that they would make the sacrifices that are required to, to be faithful to you and that you would help them to surrender, Lord, the things that are distracting them from trusting you fully. I pray this in Jesus' name right now. Also, when uh, Luke was sharing this morning, um, some things that popped out to me was uh, at the beginning of the service, he was talking about maybe there's some unfinished business in your life. And I think God wants to speak to that. And um, you might even be thinking, like, oh, it's too late. You know, like, I've, I've done too much, or um, I don't even know the direction to start on this relationship with God. But it's never too late. There's always a starting point, and you just keep going. And you surround yourself with people that can encourage you and love on you and, and give you hope. And that's what the church body is there for. And also he was talking about um, having compassion and how Jesus had compassion. And it was his default. Like that needs to be our state of mind, especially in our surrounding cities, Red Bluff, surrounding cities. We need more compassion, you know, like I'm the first one to judge. <laughs> um, so I just want to pray for that, that our minds and our hearts would be transformed and that God would speak to us and how we can serve others around us and be more intentional with that and be courageous. Like Jesus wants to use us. He has created all of us so differently and we can speak to other people that other people can't speak to. So I'm just going to pray for that. Um, and then if you want prayer at the end, too, there's, um, there's just people around you um, that can pray for you for any situation, health, um, your body, um, your mind, whatever it is. Um, if any of this that I pray for um, resonates with you, just raise your hand and the people around you that can be courageous and it's a safe place and that we can pray for you. So, Lord, I pray for um, that you would just give us more um, compassion for the people around us, Lord. If that's a struggle in our lives, Lord, I pray that we would um, just be intentional and courageous and step out and say, I need more compassion. I need your heart for people around me. And I pray for people who... Um, 
just need to be obedient and just surrender, even though it's a scary thing. I pray that you would help us surrender our sins, help us surrender our mind to what you have for us. Just take it day by day and conversation by conversation. I pray that, um, that we would display God's love and kindness to the people around us, our families, our coworkers, our neighbors. I pray that we would be intentional. And I pray for healing today, Lord, that if, if it's spiritually healing, physically, emotionally, Lord, I pray that you would speak into our lives, Lord. We thank you for this. I pray that you just bless the, re the, the remaining of our day. In your holy name, amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. I pray that you would um, continue your day, enjoy the dreary weather, <laughs> and um, please come back uh, at 10 o'clock next week. We also have youth group, um, 6 o'clock here at the building. Thank you.